Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for February 7th, 2021, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And Bruce, how are you today? I am doing well. We've had a nice amount of snow the last couple days. So after mm-hmm. work today will be some sledding and lots of fun. Some snow, then some rain, then some snow. Uh, <laughs> packed in nicely and very hard in some places. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, hopefully. Yeah, I think I should wear hip pads or something. I, I, I was just going to say that because, yeah, uh, if if the ground you're about to sled on is anything like the uh, the windshield I just cleared uh, no more than an hour ago, there's some hard stuff under the surface you're going to want to worry about. <laughs> Um, uh, probably so. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I, 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 uh, I, I hope for your sake, uh, yes, you are, you'll be fully padded and, uh, protected, maybe a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea for the I'm thinking of. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but, um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, it still should be great, especially if you get down to the iced parts, uh, it's, it's just, a, it'll be a bobsled. Uh, at that point, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's why I'm taking helmet. <laughs> yeah. So you sh- should have no problems getting up and going. It's just uh, whether or not you'll yeah, be able to control it. It'll be National Lampoon Christmas Vacation time. With the <laughs> <laughs> sled through the parking lot and all that. Yeah. With a saucer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. But so it's a good day. Yeah, it'll be a great day. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm just glad I got to talk to you one last time. <laughs> his final sentence was ben was right uh i mean i've got an ego and that would definitely feed it but i don't know if i want it in that certain uh set of circumstances yeah it could be the cops knocking on the door next right he was screaming your name In his last moments, uh, you want to explain? <laughs> you use a non-stick spray on this man's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, We've seen it before. It was the podcaster who'd done it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I do. Uh, I do uh, it, it does actually look quite fun out there. So it, it should, be, should be a ton of fun. Um, and I and I wish you all the fun in the world doing it. So um, thank you. And it's it's beautiful too. So yeah. Um. So it's a uh, uh, something that I I wish uh I kind of wish I could go out and play a little bit in. But our our uh, whole neighborhood's flat. So there's yeah. There's no fun. There's a lot of flatness there. Yeah. No fun up on the north side. It's all, all former cornfields. So there's 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 not an angle to be found. Um. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, well, let's, um, this is the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Um, next Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, and then we're into the, uh, season of Lent. Um, so it is, it is definitely flying by. Um, uh, uh, so this is this, but this is the good news is this is the last Epiphany we have to have for the entire year, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> you were waiting to figure out if I was serious. Uh, I, it's okay. Well, I until you said right, I thought there there you'd bring it home, but you didn't. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna let it dangle there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, all all revelation will have closed. Yes, it, it will if cease. You haven't received the wisdom you were seeking. You're out of luck. Maybe 2022. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, of course, that's not the case. Of course not. Right. Um. So, uh, speaking of epiphanies, let's see if you have an epiphany on today's person of the day. Oh yes. Your person, Bruce Gray, is Elias new and i'll spell his last name for you n-e-a-u which will give you i think some clue as to this person's origin say it again elias new n-e-a-u or should i say n <laughs> Drawing a blank, you got me again. That's okay. Uh, it, this is not, um, as far as, as at least as far as the definition uh, indicates, this is not a saint. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, I started reading this person's uh, entry and was fascinated by uh, how it begins. So allow me to take you on a journey here. Um, yes, please. <clears throat> The overarching definition for him is a successful, quote-unquote, missionary vestryman in colonial New York. But he was born in uh, 1662 in France to Huguenot parents. He fled the country in 1679 and became an English citizen. So far, fairly, uh, fairly normal. He then came to the colony of New York. So this is prior to the establishment of the United States. And in 1692, his ship was seized by the French and he was made a slave and placed in a chain gang. When he was freed in 19, or sorry, 1698, he raised money in Europe for the Huguenots and before returning to New York, uh, he was uh, 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 licensed, uh, as and and uh, as a catechist, and became a missionary to the slaves, other slaves in New York. Uh, uh-huh. In October of 1704, he resigned as an elder with the Huguenots and joined Trinity Church in New York. And from 1705 until 1714, he was a member of the vestry. The chief uh, factor in his becoming an Episcopalian was his regard for the prayer book. And uh, his school uh, met there at Trinity Church uh, and later on the third floor of his house. And after 10 years, uh, he had uh, tutored 154 pupils and 44 of whom uh, he presented to for baptism. Wow. Right. So it's a yeah. uh, obviously a story of um, um, um incredible uh, incredible setting as far as what happens to this person uh and then he um um utilizes his experience to reach a, a very specific subset of people um and yeah, whose community he was part of who, yeah. yeah a community he became part of 
and uh, uh, educated them, uh, served on the vestry, uh, just kind of a kind of like an indication of like you know, while n- most of us aren't going to be, um, you know, Saul being blinded on the road. Um, this is like the uh, an everyday person who yeah changed you know like u- utilized what happened in his life to um, present some good in the world and and uh, the kind of the kind of person that I think that we can also kind of uh, see ourselves in a little bit more clearly because oftentimes reading stories of like disciples or prophets it's like oh man i don't know if i would have made that choice you know i don't know if, right. if i could have done that that these are uh, extraordinary uh, um uh, set of ex- uh, circumstances that get chronicled in the bible oftentimes um so it's kind of nice to hear a story of like oh man that's really awful I, I i'd hate for that to happen to me but i could still place myself in elias's shoes uh and yeah and that's one of the real strengths of the Episcopal Church's tradition around who are saints. Mm-hmm. It is the very dynamic you just described. They don't have to have supernatural types of occurrences around them. They can just be everyday people who were faithful. Yeah, yeah. In, in everyday ways. Yeah, so while it doesn't necessarily indicate that he has like a saint day, um, hey, he made it into our... Uh the dictionary of the church uh and yeah so uh, i bet he does so he yeah so that's kind of what i was thinking that this probably does um yeah um but uh still you know a, a fascinating story i'd be kind of interested to learn more about um you know um a little bit more about his experience uh it doesn't sound like a single paragraph fully explains right <laughs> is good Doesn't enough to justice. fully explain uh, uh what all went on so um so yeah it's it, it fascinating I, it, I i uh i couldn't turn away once i read read it i was like mm-hmm. oh, that's a that's an interesting story there yeah I'm, I'm glad he was our person of the day yeah so see he was a vestry member for nine years <laughs> ten years <laughs> ten years <laughs> so uh so see, uh, um, you know, any, you know, we, we all, we, that, that's something we all could do. Yeah. And, and every church usually needs people to right. be willing to do that kind of ministry. Maybe not 10 years in a row though. Uh, no, most bylaws <laughs> don't allow that anymore. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, but, uh, so yeah, Elias new N E A U, uh, anyone out there who's, uh, interested in google searching him i'd be curious to to learn whether or not there's a uh any any further uh stories about him uh yeah a book uh a a biography of some sort or mentioned in some other text that kind of goes in a a little bit more depth about his life that'd be kind of interesting to see well and and trinity church continues to be a very prominent church in new york city oh, so yeah. their website may have information on him yeah they may they might actually have original stuff they they, they also if i remember right trinity yeah trinity is still very prominent i wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. have a historical society of some sort built into the right. church uh, they might uh dare say uh even have 
uh, original things from that period of time. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. even writings of Elias New or um, Vestry meeting Vestry notes. minutes we can all <laughs> sit back and read. See how they fought over the ice cream social toppings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to know the first thing the, the, uh, the, the first thing he ever objected to. He, he, he raised his hand and said nay. <clears throat> so um so yeah um um well let's move on to our readings for this yeah. week uh our first reading uh from isaiah uh is chapter 40 verse 21 through 31 have you not known have you not heard has it not been told you from the beginning have you not understood from the foundations of the earth It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, Some, some very lovely poetry here. Um, Truly. Especially uh, um, the, uh, the, the repetition of, have you not known? Have you not heard? I was actually kind of surprised to see us come back to uh, kind of a, back to a, uh, a recurring, uh, a theme so 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 much later in the in in the uh, in the writing, it was pretty cool. Where where so Isaiah? This is Second Isaiah, yes. Yes, near the beginning of Second Isaiah. I got one. Um, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so so tell us a little bit about the context of this. This is this is the again as we've said many times uh, uh, chapters and verses don't necessarily exist on the original writing this is kind of they the definitely don't exist on the original writing yeah this is uh, we might get a sense for where there are breaks in the writing which is kind of like how we know um indications as to how we know uh, one writer then shifts to another but um not really an indication as to 40 chapter 40 was intended to start here uh but this is at least grouped later on in a chapter so kind of what tell us what's going on here um 
in this in this uh, reading of Isaiah? What's the context? Well, first of all, the in terms of the chapter breaks, particularly well, in verse breaks notations as well. If you if even if you look at the English, you don't even have to go back to the Hebrew. You can see topic changes, mm -hmm. and so and Second Isaiah is actually very easy to see, and so where where it's evident that Isaiah has started a new topic, usually it's a new chapter. Okay. Um, so it's not just arbitrarily, okay, he's, there have been 10 lines, we need a new chapter. It's, um, when it's at its best, the chapter system does, does make sense to, um, to readers. So this chapter 40 is sometimes called the comfort chapter because hmm. It starts with a comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term and her penalty is paid and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Double as in um, good things, mm. not in terms of punishment. Gotcha. So this continues, this continues that thought. And beginning with chapter 40, that's where Second Isaiah begins. It's to an audience that is still enslaved in Babylonia. Okay. And it's the comforting uh, part of Isaiah that's God letting people know, hang in there, hang in there. I'm not gone. Um, it, you know, geopolitics looks like it's all against you, but don't worry, you will go home. Hmm. Um, so that's the, the background as to why we have, um, these particular examples that, um, in 23, um, who brings princes to naught and makes, make the rulers of the earth as nothing. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there's that reminder of, yeah, life's really hard right now. You have unjust you're living under unjust conditions the people who are your rulers have no reason to be your rulers by any human logic let alone divine but they ain't gonna last right and even though they declare themselves gods they're not so so this is like the this is essentially the 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 very beginning uh of the the second authors uh, uh yeah. portion okay and yeah, who, 20 who's, verses in. Yeah, who's the speaking who's this who's the voice of of this uh this writing because based on based on the way that uh verse 22 is worded um it seems as though the speaking voice is not necessarily the holy one. There is that verse in 25 uh where it uh, briefly switches voice uh to i i feel to yeah be very briefly uh you know to whom then will you compare me or who is my equal says says god and then back uh kind of back to the um the the, the writing voice is this is this the author themselves is this uh intended to be uh any anybody in particular like a any idea as to yeah, the mo except for that part you pointed out, the the voice is the voice of the prophet rather okay. than the voice of God. Okay, so this is Second Isaiah uh, speaking directly to 
the, the people. The people. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what about this part um, near the end of the reading, at least? Uh, he gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless, which sounds, you know, right for, you know, the uh, for what you're talking about for, for God. Uh, and then the next verse, though, the youth, even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. Um, everything else is talking about how great and, and powerful God is uh, and in words of encouragement of I'm assuming the author is pointing to uh, um, the faint really is or are kind of identifying the way that people themselves feel right now. And he's the author is saying, God's going to give you power. He's going to strengthen you in this moment of powerlessness. But then the next verse is like, even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But that that doesn't sound. I'm, I'm well, a little confused as to what what the the author's trying to convey there. Again, we have the Hebrew poetry pattern of okay. of, of repeated thought, and it's a little trickier here than it usually is but you put the couplet with the you started it with the prior couplet rather than go forward um you need to see my hand motions to fully understand <laughs> <laughs> um so so 29 actually goes with 28 yes okay i got you so he gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless is the trailing couplet to right. he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So there's kind of, in, in a way, there's kind of like a, uh, a break of thought between those Ex sentences. And then you pick up uh, and start a new couplet of even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Exactly. Um, so, uh, okay, so that now that, that my brain's retrained, what that's basically saying is uh, for the people, even your, even the young among your community feel this weariness, feel this exhaustion, uh, where normally it would be the youth, uh, the, the youths in society who are kind of like the epitome of that strength and have, have right. more energy than their elders, but even even the young among you are feeling weighed down in this moment, but God will renew them and bring them strength. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. I got it. Got it. Got it now. Okay. Yeah. And remember these were slaves. Yeah. So, you know, this wasn't just, Oh, I'm tired of doing my homework. It's, you know, you're physically exhausted and your body is breaking down and God's, lending comfort in that moment that that's not the end of the story right right okay but god is recognizing how hard their life is too he's not saying oh just ignore all that it, the power part of the power of this passage from isaiah is the scripture taking very seriously how extremely difficult this life is for the enslaved right and God recognizes that, and it's not a punishment from God. It's not a test of their faith. It's instead God seeing it's wrong, and so is going to address that dis that um, evil that they're experiencing, mm -hmm. and will win. Yeah. So, um, 
I guess for, for everyday uh, uh, practical application, these are the kind of verses that, um, um, well, an originally intended for a specific audience for a specific time, you can kind of read these words and at any low moment in your life can kind of, kind of feel the same um, sense of it, it, encouragement. Hopefully, um, yeah. Uh, um, which is, you know, practical, let's say, I don't know, today, right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, you know, even our, even our youths and, and uh, uh, are, are, are weary and exhausted. I know mine are. <laughs> um, and, right. uh, um, um, but uh, it, it's times like these where we have to remember, you know, um, whom, whom, whom is 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 God's equal? Uh, do do I do I not have faith that there are better days coming? Uh, or is there has has it not been proven time and time again that uh, dawn still breaks and uh, that weariness is lifted? Uh, um, so I should we yeah. should we should uh, um, still be able to find comfort I, I think in these words uh, as well as kind of like a fascinating. Uh, sense of history uh, um, mm-hmm. um definitely how, how how awful um it would it would have had to have been at the time because if i'm not mistaken i mean these people had been enslaved once before at least at least once before i don't know as if we definitively have knowledge of multiple times um besides the egyptians and now the babylonians but um, right um one would think that that society at that time was like oh that that was a dark time in our history the egyptian slavery and that was that was a while ago thank goodness that's never going to happen again and then it right and then it happens again and literally as these words are written and delivered and read um you know the the what would be going through their minds at the time? What would go through our minds at, at at that time? Thinking something that was terrible and awful, but relegated to history and never, surely never would come um, back around because of how horrific it was and how terrible. And then lo and behold, we find ourselves in the same situation. It'd be yep. I'd, yeah, I'd need and, words like this. Yeah, and both the passages from the Babylonian enslavement and the Egyptian enslavement um, were often comforting to the people who had been brought from Africa to North America to be enslaved mm. and who were Christianized. Uh, they, they disc- in a sense, discovered these passages because certainly the people who were lording it over them were not try- trying to give them these passages but they Mm -hmm. discovered for themselves these passages of comfort to people who are enslaved Hmm. and uh continues to be part of the black church tradition today in the united states wow what a weird what a very weird set of circumstances to be in to have been christianized uh as you put it uh with uh, uh, this faith and then discovering that the foundation of some of the foundations of that mm-hmm. religion that have been, you know, foisted upon you contain words that would then 
be like, wait, wait, wait a minute. What? Why are yeah. you? You know, then why are you doing this to us? This is like the. <laughs> this yeah. is this is the thing that's railed against in you know chapters upon chapters <laughs> upon chapters in your book. That's one of the reasons <laughs> why teaching people who were enslaved to read in North America became against the law in m many places because oh, they were what they were beginning to read was the Bible and discovering in their passages of both comfort and liberation. Yeah, what a what a um <laughs> what a hypocritical <laughs> yeah. uh, set of circumstances. Uh, well, just, and I don't even know if hypocritical is the right yeah, it's it, too it can, can possibly can can convey the correct uh, uh, level of discomfort I have for <laughs> for it. Um, well, and to to just add to it, and this is the first day of Black History Month in the U.S. Um, as we're recording now, yeah, we're recording on the yes, first, so, at, yes. We're, as we're recording, not on the Sunday. Um, the one of the I'll say final arguments to support slavery that were put forward before the civil war by slaveholders was that they were christianizing these pagans and therefore while they may have a kind of difficult time i'm purposely saying that sarcastically uh, on this earth they were getting into heaven and so for eternity they were benefiting by picking cotton and being whipped and oh, so, having their families torn apart. So by their, so, so by that viewpoint, they should still be very grateful for, right. That really was the, oh my what gosh. was trying to be communicated to um, abolitionists and all who of course took the opposite perspective that this was a sin against God to have slavery. Yeah. I mean, I would be a lot more inclined to go with the latter. Yeah. <laughs> Without yeah. a doubt. As evidenced by the words in the Bible that they profess. Anyways, yeah, uh, yeah uh, we're the so worst. We are just that, the worst. To go back, your your point that these words still have power, certainly, it certainly is true and has been shown repeatedly through history. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, and yeah, and, and, and uh, uh, I suppose... Uh, some days we can also take uh, take stock of the varying degrees at which uh, this can have meaning. Uh, you know, for for the moment where I have comfort mm -hmm. uh, in these words because I'm just kind of having a down day, uh, I should probably also uh, in, the, in the same moment remember <laughs> times where this these words have probably had uh, meaning for others in far more dire sets of circumstances uh, than me. Um, because yeah uh and, and yeah. say a prayer for people who are under those circumstances uh maybe with different names on those circumstances but experience that today yeah who are live lives of virtue of essentially slavery even though it might not be called that yeah yeah i'm thoroughly depressed now um <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Mark will help you feel better. Thanks, Don't Bruce. worry, we'll get Thanks, there. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate now, <laughs> no, uh, anything else about uh, Isaiah? Um, Not today. See, I told this is this truly is a day of epiphanies. Uh, let's move on to First Corinthians, 
and see what Paul has to say. Chapter 9, verse 16 through 23. If I pro proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I will have, I have, goodness, if I do this, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Um, typical uh, uh, Paul fashion, very wordy here. Uh, and uh, there's... There's a lot to kind of cover. Um, first of all, let, let me start kind of in the middle. The law. Okay. What's, uh, like, uh, you know, what he's kind of saying for the trailing verses is, you know, I kind of make myself to fit with the people that I am trying to reach at the time. So yeah. um, to the Jews, I was... When he said, and I think, I think what he's really saying is, when I became, I became as a Jew, uh, it, like he just is indicating, like he, um, he 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 didn't present himself uh, um, as though an outsider coming in, as though uh, he was delivering an answer to a lower group of people, but he kind of like became like settled in with the the culture and spoke to them in terms that they would understand and tried to meet them where they were is that fair yeah. as to what he was trying to say okay so um so with the jewish people he he did that but then he says like to those under the law um and that kind of strikes our ear strangely what's the law in this in this circumstance um it's essentially okay we're not completely sure <laughs> okay because it's not capitalized i mean they didn't have capitalization but in the greek it's not completely clear exactly what he's referring to there are two presumptions and the first one's i think the better one um, or two interpretations one is that this is a ref referring to in a sense stricter jews so okay. one of the things to keep in mind is paul had gone through the training and was um active as a pharisee mm -hmm. so 
This in some ways is taking us through Paul's autobiography. That okay. he, he was born Jewish, so he would have been circumcised and brought up in the Jewish faith. And as an adult, he chose to become a Pharisee, which in a sense was another um, level of being Jewish. Focused much more on the law. And the other interpretation is that it's a squishy reference to um, Christ. Because Paul sometimes plays with that. Hmm. With Christ replacing the law or Christ in uh, informing our interpretation of the law, so that so it could be referring to um, Christians who back then were all Jewish as well, pretty much. Hmm. So it it could so it could be a reference to the Pharisees. It could be a reference to the earliest Christians. He was also a tax collector, though, right? No. No, no, no. No. Okay, yeah, no. I'm yeah. He might Sorry. be thinking Matthew, but yeah. He's that, that was not him. Gotcha. Um well, hmm. Yeah, I, I think it makes more sense for the law to be like the more strict um I think so. Yeah. The strict guidelines so so to win over people who have gone through the same training, they can identify with him. Uh and then people who it, it Essentially, he left that. Um, he didn't stay, you know. Um... Well, that's part of, okay, that's an interesting question. Because in Western thought, our individual identities are so important that we, th we think in the way that you just described. You're one thing or you leave things behind. Whereas I, th what Paul could easily be saying, and people have been nodding ears going, well, yeah, that's how life works, is that you always are what you always were and you always will be. Hmm. Okay. So even though he doesn't agree 100% anymore with the Phar Pharisees' interpretation of Scripture, he's still, that's still part of who he is. That's, mm -hmm. that's how he was formed, that those experiences shaped who he became. And now it's part of how we can preach. Mm -hmm. um, and part of our, our problem um, in interpreting this passage is these famous links of I became you know, like a Jew. I became like this. I became like that. We aren't quite sure what that word is. What mm. it actually means. It's used very seldom. And so we're guessing it's a comparative by context. Uh, but we can't be completely sure of all of the connotations that the original hearers of this letter would have immediately associated with. Oh, yeah, that's what he's saying. Hmm. So it, it, to completely exaggerate, it could be I'm still Jewish. Right. I'm still under the law. Um, we just don't know for sure. One, hmm. of the, one of the challenges of an ancient language. Yeah, because uh, the the word became as or became uh, this uh, kind of, you know, to the modern reader might make it seem as though he maybe a little disingenuous in in his approach. You know what I mean? Just because of, yeah. the, the, of, of kind of the nature of what that word would invoke, uh, you know, oh, to, to, to Jews, I kind of pretended to be Jewish is kind of like, you know, yeah. how it stri strikes our modern ear. 
Uh, and then for under the law, you know, I acted as though I were under the law. And then for people outside the law, I, you know, behaved like one of them and uh, pretended to be weak so that I might win the week. Um, is kind of how uh, we, we hear it. But yeah, if, if it's, I, I, and I guess your point is well taken because I'm still, I still, my automat, my, my standard is to approach this uh, from kind of like a, almost identity politics yeah. you know what i mean it, yeah like uh jews would be able to see themselves in him because he's jewish uh people under the law would know that he's uh had, had trained as a pharisee and so they would be able to connect with him that way uh, but that's still kind of seeing an identity uh, maybe what this is really saying is that maybe what he's really saying is that this is this is like a humble brag yeah, himself. I think that's which, what it's about. Which would not be out of line for Paul. Right. <laughs> um, he's based, that would, if, I, if I'm right in that, then what he's basically saying is this is the reason why I have been chosen to do this is because I know, I understand where people are coming from no matter where they, where they are or who they are because I myself in and am in a, in a way a little unique because i have this experience in my life like i am all mm-hmm. of these things um yeah because he really is i mean we we know yeah to to be fair he really is <laughs> yeah but, i mean it's and and unfortunately in modern christianity like the last 100 200 years we've taken this just as you first described it which is paul faked it Mm-hmm. And but actually, he's talking about his real life that he was Jewish, he was and still is. He mm-hmm. was a Pharisee and still is. He was weak and still is. We know from I forget if it's in Corinthians or somewhere else at the moment, but he has some verses about how he has a weakness that mm-hmm. he wishes God would free him from, but oh well. Um, so this really is an autobiography. It's not him doing market research and seeing what the population is and then finding that costume to wear. It's instead God has been able to take what some readers today and perhaps then would see as obstacles and use them to God's glory. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, yeah, he definitely, he's, he's indicating, um, he does definitely indicate here that he's trying to make, he wants to make sure that the gospel is free to all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that there's not a, a, a charge for here, a, a fee for hearing the words that he's here to proclaim. But he also, uh, in the first couple of verses, he does indicate that it's not, it's, it's not even of his own choosing. Um, that, the way he sees himself is that the, he is commissioned. He's he has been um, charged to do this. So he it's not he's he's not trying to earn anything uh, for himself. He is compelled uh, to a degree that he has no control over uh, to share this with everyone. Is if I'm reading, kind of reading it right. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it, and the other part to include in his autobiography that ties into this part is 
you know, he first appears in in the book of Acts and in his self descriptions in his letters as one of the original persecutors of Christians. Mm-hmm. So he was making the gospel very costly to people to believe in. Gotcha. Because they were losing their lives. And here he wants to make sure it's free. So he's, he's taking that experience and, again, transforming it, using it as a way of, I mean, it, it's, this would not go well with many congregations to say it this way. But if Paul was preaching to me, he'd say, look, I know you guys are putting your life at risk because I used to kill people like you. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is extremely important. It is worth losing your life over. Hmm. So it's it it it's, yeah that wouldn't go. Over. <laughs> yeah, you know that that doesn't make the collection plate overflow. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my my first instinct would then be like, yeah, remind me again why you're here then. Yeah, just really quick. Just maybe I missed it there at the beginning part, but. Uh... <laughs> Where are you here I think, again? And I think I'll take off my name tag. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I gotta go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. Geez. Um. Yeah. So this is this is the exact opposite of how the passage is often applied. Hmm. Of yeah, just put on the costume and preach to the people. It's instead. Out of one's own life, what can you share? Hmm. Because God created your life, didn't make the didn't make you make choices, but you know, it is a gift to be shared. What is there to share there? Yeah, yeah, and I guess the, the takeaway for us individually is, as as Paul's pointing out, is don't you know, if if we take the the interpretation that we've been talking about, don't pretend. Um, yeah, you know you you are able to proclaim this uh this this gospel this uh, uh this christ's law um with you being exactly who you are now um right that that you already um you already are um you know many of these things obviously the the specific reference to be, being jewish is uh, maybe not applicable for for everybody else, but you know, Particularly in you courts, are right. You are you are these other things. <laughs> you are you're 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 weak. You are strong. You are, uh, you know, within the law, outside of the law. You are you know the 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 strength is 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 already in you to be able to speak to these things because none of us are perfect and none of us are it, it, we're not perfect and we're not evil all all at the same time we're not you know we're, we're not we're, all of one or another yeah right we're we're all we're not always faithful but uh, we're not always uh, unfaithful in in uh our our uh, belief in god and 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 love for each other so it's it, we we have that capacity within uh us to do the same mm-hmm Cool. Yeah, and people people who are able to be courageous enough to share who they really are and how God is part of that are usually more convincing as evangelists than folks who have dramatic stories that aren't that aren't completely true. Right. 
or 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 um unre- unrelatable right you know um yeah exactly which you yeah sometimes might not be true mm-hmm. um anything else about first corinthians oh we could keep going on and on but we only have so much time especially you and i yes uh yes <laughs> You and I collectively, on and on, is definitely the the, the, the default. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, let's do. Uh, uh, let's just do the quick, you know, throw a uh, throwaway reading, which is the gospel here. Uh, <laughs> no, Mark chapter one, verse twenty nine through thirty nine. Uh, as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning... While it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go to the neighboring towns, so that I might proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Um, so uh, a little... A little bit of carryover, uh, I think, from last week's reading in that um, last week, if you remember, uh, uh, podcast listeners, the um, the story was about uh, there was a, a, a person possessed uh, there at the synagogue while he was pre- preaching. Uh, the, the demon uh, knew his name uh, and yet had no control over him, which, as we discussed on last week, last week's podcast and uh, actually your sermon as well. Yeah. Um, uh, that was w- knowing one's name would be a sign of control, uh, over and power over, over that person. But, you know, Jesus, uh, it indicated that had no effect on him and cast out the demon anyway. Uh, so there's still that, that carryover. Not only did people come to have him cast out demons, but as one would expect, people start, you know, finding him. Hey, wait, did you hear about? This Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth who cast out demon with authority. Um, maybe he can heal me of this or cast out this demon in my cousin. Or, you know, as you mm-hmm. know, they really start kind of coming to him. Um, so there's... That is the carryover into what, what ends up happening in the middle. What I would categorize, I think, as the middle section of this reading. So the first section, though, is more of a private inner circle kind of an experience of him healing Simon's mother-in-law. Right. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure if this part of the story is chronicled just to show that he had uh, uh, a personal side as well, because I would, I would imagine as the story grew quickly, it would be, about this this man who goes out and speaks to thousands of people and is casting out demons and healing people um, on the mountaintop as the thunder rolls and you know like the story would just be like this big grand uh, uh, concept. I'm not sure if this is p- 
put in here to kind of um, show the more private side of him as well? Or uh, if there's like a, a theological explanation as to why this, this kind of is sandwiched between these more public occurrences or, or what? Any yes. Ideas? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, to... I think both are true. That, okay. okay. <laughs> um, that it, it, it gives a little insight into, yeah, Jesus's private side, so to speak. And, how he has a very individual ministry, person-to-person ministry, as well as, particularly in Mark, these massive crowds mm-hmm. that come to him for teaching and healing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's there to balance that and also just to set the stage for, yeah, Jesus really can do this. And mm-hmm. part of the, I think, part of the proof in the pudding is that this is not a stranger and the uh, Peter's mother-in-law and it's not someone who will disappear out of the disciples lives it's presumably someone that they'll keep in touch with mm-hmm. and so it'll show that that really was a healing oh uh, that... yeah putting putting a specific name to uh to the occurrence so you could it's it's fact checkable yeah yeah right. yeah okay yeah so that gives it a little more credibility yeah and what's interesting um, is that it occurs in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, in Matthew, it's put deeper into the gospel. This is still the first chapter in Mark, um, mm-hmm. and so it's part of who it's part of Mark saying this is the essence of Jesus. Matthew puts it quite a bit later, but they're essentially the same narratives. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And and with the second half as well the um people then hearing about it and bringing lots and lots of folks to be healed yeah so that yeah that's the second that, that's the middle uh, uh part or what i would what i would call the middle part um um so not only does he have private moments of comfort and healing he has very public moments of comfort and healing and then the tail end of the third part of this reading is about him withdrawing and um, and maybe this is the the uh, uh, epiphany, uh, very specific epiphany moment of recognizing that. Look, I'm not I'm not call. I don't think my calling, my ministry, is to stay in one spot and right. have people come to me. I am being. I'm. I need to go out, and and. Uh, find people where they are and not be a regional influence or, or center, you know, create yeah. kind of like a, a center of, of, uh, around himself. Uh, but in, in, in kind of an indication as to true servanthood of, I will go abroad and, and, and help all people, you know, all the people that I can help uh, and meet people where they are so that it's not, it's not, which, which again diverts kind of focus a little bit of the focus away from him um because right. he, he very easily could have been like hey yeah go far and wide let people know if they have an ailment if they're you know uh, come mm-hmm. profess, profess their faith to god and i will heal them if they come to my doorstep and tell them to bring uh, you know something nice yeah right <laughs> <laughs> you know it very 
you know, it very easily could have uh, gone that way. And I think, I think for the time period, that might have even made sense had oh, he yeah. done that. I, I would, I feel like there were, there were probably characters in history at that time who would have operated that way. And like today, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, because we can we can compare it con- and contrast it with John the Baptist's ministry, where if you if you wanted to find John the Baptist, you pretty much you knew to go to the River Jordan. That right. that's that's where he was operating. Um, and it, like you say, instead, Jesus went to where people were and particularly, um, well, really in all the Gospels, he was heading, as we now know, ultimately to Jerusalem. So he was going from a frankly beautiful, fairly rural area with small towns, the area of Galilee, to the center of that part of the world, very urban the, where the temple was, all the holy shrines and that sort of thing, there's this movement from rural to urban that particularly takes place in the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, John's a little fuzzier about geography, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's can definitely feel Jesus, in a sense, leaving the seashore of the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a big lake, and mm-hmm. heading towards the hustle and bustle of the big city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, where he, where he, where people some people recognize who he is and some people don't. Gotcha. Anything else about this uh, this this gospel reading? Uh, I I know that I I kind of maybe gave it short shrift because uh, we talked a little bit about <laughs> the first two readings in, yeah. in great detail. Um, um, but Mark. Mark is kind of like a, a he's a very succinct uh, to the point kind of a, a, an author. His right. his his stories uh, they're not uh, they're not uh, you know bookended with poetry or you know um, deep seated hidden meaning. It was a very it's kind of a plain account if if you will compared to honestly compared to some some of the other even gospel writings uh, uh, who kind of delve into a little bit more um some minutiae some uh um other hidden you know um specific things within society mark's kind of the to the point author yeah just the one one thing i'll point out is that interestingly in mark jesus uh does the exorcism in the synagogue mm-hmm then goes and heals the, uh, Peter's mother-in-law of a physical illness. And both those take place on the Sabbath and no one yells at him about it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, yet. No one yells at him about it yet. Yeah. And well, in Mark, it's not going to be the big offense. Okay. So okay. that's just part of one of those little tone differences hmm. uh, between okay. the gospels. And the reason there's such a big crowd coming at sundown is that when the sun goes down, the Sabbath has ended, and so people can travel again. Gotcha. So it's just, I mean, that part's really trivial, but it's just interesting to see that Mark uh, knew that detail, and um, and Luke copied it. Mm-hmm. And um, Matthew did, but put it in a completely different context. Um, 
and with a different meaning. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to me and it's kind of trivial, but I like trivia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of That's why we do this. That's podcast. why we do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't do this podcast so that we can speak in generalities and, right. and surface level. That's not really uh, and helpful teaching. So it's just to get right, the trivia right. out of our systems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul's saying be good. Mark <laughs> is saying Jesus is great. Uh, you know, podcast over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go and do likewise. Bye. <laughs> Go and do likewise. <laughs> um, I, I encourage you one of these days to make your sermon just literally that. <laughs> Based on the gospel reading, Go and do likewise. In the in the name of the Father and the Son, and, <laughs> and we're all done, and everybody's like turning to each other, and like, is it over? I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> what? Does he get his full paycheck this week? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're gonna have to cut down your pay, <laughs> or at least you uh, buy the donuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, goodness. Well, with that, I think we'll call to a close this uh-huh. your podcast for February 7th, 2021, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Next week is Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, and then, uh, and then, like I said earlier, we, we go into the season of Lent. Uh, as always, uh, feel free to check out our website for everything that's going on, hfec.org. Uh, and uh, check out our, our um, church services and videos on our our youtube channel hfec videos uh and join us for uh, sunday morning church 9 a.m on facebook uh anything specific to plug this week uh look at the parish facebook pages i'm well facebook page and website because mm-hmm. we have some exciting things going on during lent that you might want to plan ahead for exciting and lent Hmm. Not often together, but not this not year often it is. used together. Okay, uh, I, I am intrigued enough to check it out. I have to admit. Um, uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you then. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>